find for me someone strong and sweet fitting on my knee. She can keep her job if she gets it wrong. Ah, but Mr. Mox, I won't need her. Hello again. Welcome to I've Got a Beatles podcast. Uh, and uh, Chris, I, are, you, are you playing a video game or something? What's that, uh, uh, no, that's not a video game. It's classic Paul McCartney dud. Secretary. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's the uh, pretty rancid track from McCartney 2 in 1980, Temporary Secretary. And I think the word rancid kind of goes uh, well with the topic of today's show, which... I'm going to give you, you, you came up with the title of today's show, so I'm going to let you say it. It's pretty great. This episode is called Mother Nature's Dunce, the career mistakes of Paul McCartney. <laughs> exactly. And if you, if you remember uh, way back when we did an episode also with a Chris name called Don't Let Me Clown, uh, and it had to do with John Lennon's worst career moves, we figure, you know, it's time to do something for Paul. Of course, the difference is Paul has a lot more of a record to choose from. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so That's... we have a lot to choose from here. And yeah. I think before but we... McCartney making McCartney too didn't even make the uh, No, that wasn't list. even one of them. No, so you're right. Didn't even make our little top 12 list here. No, maybe. exactly. No. <laughs> and the mistakes that we're talking about are, uh, some of them are in retrospect that look really bad now. Uh, maybe were okay. They started out fine at the time, but then turned really sour. And then other ones were just really bad at the moment and just bad decisions to begin with. Uh, yeah. And so we have a good list here. It should be fun. We're going to hear a lot of clips that we'll probably never, ever play again for any reason. So <laughs> it's fun for just that purpose alone. And, you know, as we go into this uh, summer concert season here with all the live tours, and of course Paul's uh, going on tour, and we'll talk a little bit about that at the end of the show today. Uh, cool. Your first entry on our list has to do with live albums. Yeah, uh, well, Paul, for some reason, in his infinite wisdom, releases like a live album every year, <laughs> or practically. I mean, it's it's like oh, a complete overkill. Um, he has released, here are the live albums he's released. Wings Over America. That's the only live album he released in 1976 up until 1990. Since 1990, we've got Tripping the Live Fantastic and, of course, the very necessary <laughs> Tripping the Live Fantastic highlights. highlights. <laughs> for those of you who can't buy a double album. Uh, Unplugged in 91. 93, Paul is Live. Already, we're like, all right, mm -hmm. <laughs> slow your roll, pal. Um, <laughs> Then 2002, back in the U.S., 2003, back in the world, 2009, Good Evening, New York City. So there's quite a few uh, uh, live albums. And uh, to just to, and, and I, I probably wouldn't mind a lot of live albums throughout his career if they had a lot of different tracks on them. That's but, the thing, uh, yeah. The biggest problem is you buy one, you pretty much bought them all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Here's a good example of which we're going to play the start of Jet uh, from three different live albums. Uh, it's appeared on more than three live yes, albums. Yes, yeah. Um, in fact, it was track two on three consecutive Paul McCartney live albums. So I'm not sure why we needed this. But uh, as we know, I, I, I really like the histrionics uh, at the beginning of Jet anyway. So 
This will be fun. We're going to play it. You'll hear Jet from Tripping the Life Fantastic, Jet from Back in the World, and Jet from Good Evening New York City. And we're going to play the entire song of each. No, I'm no, 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 no. Just, Please, just the beginning. <laughs> so here, here we go. Here's a lot of Jet. Even for a, a jet aficionado such as you, it's yeah. even a little bit much here. So. <laughs> well, that it, it yeah. I mean, why? It, it's not like it's Bob Dylan or somebody who changes around the songs all the time, where you'll you'll get different tunes. Or even the Grateful Dead uh, in the '70s, they did "Friend of the Devil." They would play it fast and they'd play it slow, or you'd have at least some variation. But those three yeah. all sound the same. The only difference is. A little more crowd noise or better recording quality, maybe, uh, but pretty much the same. So yeah, yeah, it makes you wonder why, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Paul's live shows uh, coming up too. One of my one of my other picks. Uh, yes, definitely. I'm sure. I'm sure anyone who's listened to the show has heard me complain about this particular thing about a hundred times. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. So let's go to your first. Uh, all right. Uh, so, career blunder. Yes, career blunder. This is an in retrospect one, and it's it's a little bit of low hanging fruit, but I think it's still worth mentioning because it was a big deal and still is. And that's his relationship with Michael Jackson. Uh, it started out really well, and uh, we've played. They recorded three songs together. We've re- we've played two of them. I think we played "The Girl's Mind" first from Thriller, yeah. and then. We played the best two of them. Yeah, the best two, which right? isn't saying a which whole isn't, lot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, we played "Say Say Say," which was, of course, a huge hit for both of them. And things were going great. And we, we, just for the sake of completeness, we'll play the third song that they did together, which was also from 1983's "Pipes of Peace." This is the song called "The Man."
plays the game of life so well. Ooh, that's such a man. His thoughts you can never tell. Ooh, and it's just the way he thought it would be. Cause the day has come for him to be free. Then he laughs, he kicks, then rolls up his sleeves. I'm alive and I'm here forever. This is the Did you like Whoa. those hand claps, Chris? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know that. I, yeah. I, I was just saying, I probably haven't listened to that song in <laughs> at least 10 years. <laughs> yeah, there's probably a reason why. Yeah. Well, so I, we won't go over the whole history of the Michael Jackson McCartney copyright Beatles catalog saga because it's been well documented, many websites about it. I believe there's a book coming out fairly soon about that as well. Uh, the sh long and the short of it is, the Beatles catalog came for sale, came up for sale, and uh, McCartney was given the the right to make a first offer in 1984. And uh, at that point, he said, "Well, it was too pricey." And of course, that really came back to bite him in the you know what. Uh, and what made it even worse when Michael Jackson, when he told his agent lawyer to spend whatever it takes to buy the Beatles catalog. Uh, what makes it worse is that Paul was the one who told Michael to get into the, the copyright business in the first place to buy songs and uh, own catalogs because he said every time a, uh, Michael, every time a song gets played, <laughs> you make money off it. And so Michael thought that was a great idea. That's a great idea, Paul. And next thing you know, next I, thing you I, know, I just love that you're doing the impressions this episode. <laughs> well, those are good ones. They're fun. Yeah. You know? it's great. Yeah. So you know, it, it turned it, Paul's advice got turned around on him. Uh, yeah. So very bad, very bad career move. Uh, although it it will start to work out because I believe McCartney will get uh, the rights back in 2018. Uh, to the Beatles catalog, uh, so it'll come back to him. But he's lost a lot of money in the intervening years, and some and he lost yeah. a friend in Michael Jackson. So yeah. definitely uh, now number three on our list, throwing it back to you, actually comes from around the same time as the Michael yeah. Jackson fiasco. And oh, yeah, well, of he fiascos, was old at this time of his career. Yes, oh, speaking boy. of fiascos. <laughs> We're, in fact, we got another one from the summer career coming up, too. The idea of Paul McCartney as an actor <laughs> uh, is pretty, like, I think I said in the Help episode, it's like he's clearly the worst of the <laughs> You did Beatles say that, actor. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, why he got in his head, hey, why don't I make a movie, why don't I write a movie? <laughs> And then acted it, be the lead star of it. Um, of course, the very, very bad movie I'm talking about is called Give My Regards to Broad Street, starring Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, Barbara Bach, Linda McCartney, Brian Brown as Steve, 
Tracy Ullman <laughs> as Sandra and Rich Richardson as Jim. Um, uh, 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 I think um, Roger Ebert said it best in this review. Give my regards to Broad Street is about as close as you can get to a non-movie. And the parts that try to do something are the worst. <laughs> Another uh, review from Stephen Garrett from Time Out. Token attempt at street cred. If, pa- if Paul doesn't get the tapes back, he'll be taken over by a sunglasses-wearing business shark. That's the plot of the film. Uh, a lot of here's another review from Janet Maslin. A lot of effort has gone into this film's production values, but continuity seems at best to have been given a secondary concern. Uh, so just a lot of just terrible things about that movie. The acting was terrible. Well, you know, it's not. Think about another McCartney heavily run McCartney movie during the Beatles period. Can you think of that one that also had some problems with it too? Yeah, <laughs> Magical Mystery Tour again. Magical Mystery Tour, yeah. which also didn't make our list. Amazing. No, it did not make our list. No, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, but um, there were a I, couple of decent songs though. Although, although there were some weird re-recordings of tunes on that album. Well, a good portion of the film, the the portions were, which are, I saw a scene, I, I was watching a little bit of it earlier, and I saw a scene where the, these guys walk into an elevator, the elevator door shuts, about a second goes on, and then they start saying their lines. It just says <laughs> no, it just like shows like, no, say you're, start talking as you're going into the elevator, what right. are you doing? Um, but uh, majority of the rest of the movie is him in the studio recording songs, yeah. which uh, would make sense if they were new songs. But why he's in there re-recording yesterday and Good Day Sunshine, I silly think. love songs, yeah. <laughs> weird choices for Eleanor Rigby. Yeah, like why 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 any of that? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I don't know. Uh, and the plot's terrible, and the writing is very bad. Uh, here, we'll give you a little bit of a scene which leads into the... Uh, this is uh, Ringo and Paul having a little back and forth, which leads into uh, one of the songs from the movie, Not Such a Bad Boy. So let's, let's listen to this. Do you think you can get some heat in here, or are we practicing to be Canadians? Yeah, uh, should we try Not Such a Bad Boy? We have to. Yeah. Let's try all right. One, two, three, four. I laughed at the teachers taught in my school. You know, you know, you've you've been in bands and hung out and and, and been jamming before. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it's very common to have a, a 
your press secretary just kind of always there, just sort of <laughs> swaying in the background. <laughs> always. always. <laughs> uh, well. Linda, in that particular clip, Linda had the worst looking hat. It's pretty well. The lines at the beginning were pretty cringeworthy from Ringo and Paul. I mean, really, yeah. are, are we practicing to be Canadian here? Are we going to turn the heat on? <laughs> no, it's really a pretty awful movie. The it, like I said, there were at least a couple of songs. That song's not half bad. And then yeah. there's a song called "No Values." And then, well, of course, the more, most famous one was a semi-hit, uh, "No More Lonely Nights," which is a pretty memorable. Tune and uh, yeah. pretty decent, so uh, that's it's, savage. It's not not so bad of an album. Yes, if right, just, right. If you just throw the album on, or correct, it comes up in your random Paul McCartney or whatever. It's never like mm, I don't like no, the sound no. of this. Uh, but the just the whole idea of the film and yeah, making the can, film and wasting time on making the film. <laughs> yeah, and it, it really you know. kind of it was a big critical pan. So. Yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 23% positive rating, yeah, which is pretty, not pretty bad. Good. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, other uh, as we continue our look at bad decisions, uh, let's just say if you're fond of illicit substances, okay? Yeah. Uh, let's let's say let's just take marijuana for example. Now, oh, okay. now of course it's idea. it's legal in a couple of states now, but. It's not legal everywhere in the world. And it's oh, and it, cer it certainly wasn't back in, say, I don't know, 1980? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really wasn't. So, and, and also, if you really like that illicit substance so much that you've been busted at least three times before that point, uh, you were busted in Sweden in 1972, you were busted in Scotland in 1973, Los Angeles, your wife took the rap in uh, 1975. <laughs> You, Making you, your wife take the rap. I know. You would too. think Ugh. you would think that you would get the message, and at least if you're going to bring some weed on tour with you, you might pack it a little better, or buy it when you get there, or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> better yeah, yet, just go to a place and buy the weed there. Yes, don't you have people who can find it for you? I mean, yeah. Well, on January 16, 1980, as Wings was about to go on tour, Paul was caught with uh, a bag of marijuana in his suitcase that he didn't really conceal very well. They, they, the reports vary, but uh, some people say it was just under a shirt or under one or two pieces of clothes. So uh, this time the Japanese were not so kind to Paul and didn't just look the other way, no matter who he was, uh, and actually threw him in jail. And he was very nervous about what would have happened legally. But he was yeah. put in jail for nine days in... Japan, and he was quoted as saying, well, I sat with my back to the wall, because I was really nervous and paranoid, and it was pretty frightening, and by the end of the of his short stay, he was singing with the inmates and uh, singing yesterday and stuff, so it worked out, but uh, I don't know, That's, that was a really bad move, and of course, what ha what happened after that, with Wings? Uh, yeah, that was it. That was it. it. Yeah. yeah. So that basically <laughs> ended the career of wings uh, after, after yeah. that point so this was january so it was before john was shot too it's just i mean it's just a real dumb 
dumb thing to do to travel. Good lord. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to tell anyone not to smoke pot or take whatever illegal no. drug they want to take, or, or but don't travel with it. No. <laughs> Good. At least in this instance, I think I could clearly say pomegranate more. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so, I think you could probably say that for the next uh, one on our list as well. Yeah. Well, talk about talk <laughs> about something that, in retrospect, is just like, oh man, what a mistake. Uh, Paul McCartney, <laughs> of course, had a uh, six-year marriage to a lady called Heather Mills. How did that end up? It ended up with Paul McCartney paying Heather Mills forty-eight. Point six million dollars uh, in the divorce settlement. Um, she got two of their homes plus five million dollars for property in London, uh, thirty thousand dollars for two years of security detail, thirty thousand dollars for vacations and entertaining. Oh wow, that's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, two hundred forty thousand dollars for clothes and all other personal expenses. Now, of course, she had been asking. For much, much more yeah, that's right. money, uh, $250 million. Uh, and uh, the judge um, said uh, about her, I'm going to quote here, I am driven to the conclusion that much of her evidence, both written and oral, was not just inconsistent and inaccurate, but also less than candid. Ah. Um, but still gave her <laughs> of money. Some entertainment uh, but, money. In that, she was asking for budgets of uh, $80,000 for wide. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> and $250,000 for clothes, which he called ridiculous, unreasonable, and exorbitant. Mm-hmm. Um, not the biggest uh, 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 marriage settlement in, in the world, but still it's like uh, a disaster of a marriage. Just very not, bad PR. Yeah. Bad PR. Very... Um, very uh, just odd, awkward ending. She yeah. was very petulant at the end. During that trial, poured water on a lady's head. <laughs> you know, just this. This was the woman that you married. And I, I know. You know, we we all have relationships that yeah. we regret. So yes, some didn't work out so well. It, or, it's know. hard. To, it's hard to really say. You know, well, he. You know. Paul's a, Paul's a sweet guy who yeah. you know, seems to really want to be in love all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so maybe maybe he just made an error in judgment on this. Yes. And it's a very very costly one at that. Yeah. So, so, yes. Well. Heather we, Mills, of course. Her. Did yes. we mention her name? Of course. Everybody knew. Everyone Heather. knows Heather. Yeah. So, so. so moving from... Uh, Love into back into music a little bit here. Uh, let me give you a recent example of what he did here that actually worked pretty well, I think. Uh, on his most recent album, New, he worked with a bunch of younger producers and uh, wrote some songs that are, actually sound pretty contemporary with what's going on and not in a, in a like trying too hard sort of way. It's very yeah. subtle. Uh, the production is good. It, it, it fits well. Uh, and so it, you can tell it's from 2013, but it's pretty, you know, it's not over the top here. But yeah. now the 80s were not kind to the Beatles, <laughs> nor most classic rockers. Uh, but 
particularly Paul had some real, real bad uh, music here. And part of the reason, and we're just going to play this song, and then I'll uh, talk a little bit about it here. But think about what I just said here with the new album, and then with, we're going to try to sound contemporary and see how this one sounds. So here's the title song of his 1986 album, Press to Play. Press. And I will press play. Tell me to deep depress because I've depressed what I hear. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, how does that? Uh, I don't know. Why, why does that? It just sounds so like trying too hard to be hip and contemporary in, in a way that the current stuff doesn't as much. Well, it's it's funny because you you think of psychedelic music, but you don't. Th- when you hear Beatles psychedelic music, you don't think, oh, it, it was. Uh, listening to other psychedelic music and then trying to copy it. Right. You're like, it sort of, A, created it. It was leading edge, cutting edge, and B, was uh, um, so the Beatles. Mm -hmm. This song and this sort of era of his, it sounds like I don't know what to do career-wise. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to take what's going on, the trends and fads and the stupid electronic <laughs> drum machine sounds. And those tape loops. And crappy uh, synthesizer <laughs> keyboard stuff that other people are doing better. Yeah. Like the Eurythmics. Yeah. You know, like you don't hear a Eurythmic song from that time and they're like, ew, that's really dated. You're like, oh, that's the sound, but it's, yeah, you know, it it's done better and it feels like them. This doesn't, this feels like Paul trying to do the newest fad trend. Yes. <laughs> Very well put. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's that, that album, it came, when it came out, uh, it was received somewhat favorably, but the opinion has really turned ne- much more negative in recent years. And I think uh, doing research, uh, a lot of people have pointed to that fact. It's just trying too hard. Uh, yeah. He's trying to work with you know, whatever's happening right now instead of thinking about writing good songs and all that. I mean, a lot of the um, classic rockers have one of these albums in there yeah. somewhere where like the stones and the like steel wheels. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sounds like 
what are, what are you doing? This overproduction <laughs> crap. Yeah. Paul, uh, or uh, Bob Dylan's got that one that was produced by Don Was. Oh, or what? Yeah. <laughs> it's really terrible. Under the Red Sky, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So terrible. Um, yeah. You know. <laughs> and George, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on this going forward, but George has uh, Cloud Nine. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> so, right. That's so, for another day. So yeah. <laughs> That's for a different... One of three different episodes. Yeah. Um, so my next uh, uh, mistake of his, and really it's a mistake of the entire Beatles, but uh, uh, when uh, uh, Brian Epstein died, which was a terrible loss for them, and, and they felt very sad about it, and they felt like, well, we, we can't possibly replace him. Yeah. And so they didn't replace him. <laughs> Instead... Paul sort of took the kind of sort of leadership reins and made a lot of the decisions and sort of, and I, I'm in a, I'm in a comedy group. I'm in several comedy groups and I can tell you it's very difficult to lead and be the leader of the group and also be a member of the group because you're not really usually seen as uh, equal. Yeah. You know, it's like somebody's the leader and that kind of thing. And I think up until Brian Epstein died, he was the guy who was like, oh, you guys are going to do this, you're going to do that. Right. And they kind of went along with a lot of it. After he died, they just went willy-nilly and started making uh, uh, bus movies. And, <laughs> uh, and then when they eventually were like, hey, we got to get a manager in here. They, you know, they get Alan Klein. Yeah. yeah, they get a terrible choice and they have a whole big to do about it because part of it was well once Paul had sort of taken that leadership role for a few years I don't think he wanted to yeah. re- relinquish it um, too so kind yeah. of a kind of a dumb move if you ask me yeah and it, it's complicated that's another hindsight one a little bit because it, when you look at the history too the others weren't really very weren't weren't exactly jumping in to step up and do it themselves and I think uh, yeah. Paul has gotten some bad press for trying to do some of those decisions to get them to work on uh, recording and to be involved and be a band. But maybe it's the way he did it. I don't know. You could always always look at that. But uh, it it was just it didn't work out too well in a lot of ways. We got some great music, but uh, also some career problems too out of it. So well, it's going along with a partnership or going along with the, having someone else to uh, to be an equal uh, my next entry has to do with songwriting and the fact that paul has so many songs and you, you could probably fill up the amount of unreleased songs would more than certainly equal the release songs but i'm sure there's many 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 more and yeah. at least when he was in the beatles he had john to run ideas by and kind of do a little quality control but ever since he became a solo artist, it's the inconsistency is just maddening. There's so much there, but there's just not a good way to distill and channel things. And so you really get a lot of forgettable fluff or a lot of extraneous types of tracks. You have albums that have maybe three good songs on them, and then the rest are just mediocre. And yeah. it's, it's been a consistent problem of Paul. <laughs> and so we're, we're going to do two things here. <laughs> 
Particularly lyrically. Partic- yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> lyrically, especially. He, he's, the tunes are always catchy and always good. Uh, but the lyrics are so bad. And as an example, a couple examples here, Chris is going to do a little dramatic reading of uh, a couple of lyrics for us, and then we'll play a song example. But So what are some of these lyrics that John Lennon probably would never have passed through? Okay, here's, uh, here's a, a lyric from uh, the song Beautiful Night. You and me together, nothing feels so good, even if I get a medal from my local neighborhood. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, here's uh, one of Dave's favorites, and, and uh, the uh, title song from Driving Rain. Oh yes, one, two, three, four, five. Let's go for a drive. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Let's go there and back again. And wow. of course, later it's six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ooh. ooh. <laughs> <laughs> when you can't come up with a lyric, just put an ooh ooh in there somewhere. <laughs> There was a girl who loved a biker. She used to follow him across America. <laughs> but the biker didn't like her. Real good one. That's a good there's one a, there. I like the, yeah, the double meaning there. That's nice. And uh, here's the other me. I know I was a crazy fool for treating you the way I did. But something took a hold of me. And I acted like a dustbin lid. Move over Bob Dylan here. This is, <laughs> yeah, just kind of just too much stuff, and just I don't know. Uh, we could pick many examples to play of these songs that are just really quickly done, uh, don't have much to them. But we're gonna pick one that we'll probably never play again. Uh, it's from a movie in 1985 that was a somewhat big hit. Had uh, Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd and. Uh, some other people in it, and uh, you, you can. T- I want you to hear your thoughts about the movie and the song after we play it. This is his 1985 uh, song. I'll, th- I'll call it. I was going to say a throwaway, but I'll. <laughs> uh, his 1985 single, "Spies Like Us." What are your thoughts on Spies Like Us, movie and song? Uh, kind of both forgettable, <laughs> not that great. Over mm-hmm. uh, Movie, a little bit overrated. This song, properly rated as not very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, again, missing, miss, it, it has just nothing to it. I don't know, he just tosses them off here, so... It's just the inconsistency. Inconsistency can be very frustrating, I think, in his career because there's so much good stuff, but then there's almost an equal amount of questionable stuff. We'll put it that yeah. way. Well, um, I I would say, and and this sort of leads into my uh, uh, next thing. I like a lot of his more uh, recent albums, and I thought that 
they deserved a little more attention uh, than they got, uh, particularly, say, Flaming Pie and, uh, um, you know, Driving Rain I like better than you do and Chaos and Creation in the Backyard and uh, Memory Almost Full has some good moments on it. uh, New, of course, is great. And and, uh, we're about to see Paul and we expect that we'll see some songs from New. I think maybe a few less than we would want yeah. to hear. Um, and uh, most of these albums you hear zero songs from <laughs> in his concerts. And I, I think it's regrettable. I think it would be nice to see Paul. I just saw him a couple years ago. And I'm going to see him this year. And uh, uh, it's going to be all the same songs pretty right. much right. with a few cuts from new. It'd be nice to hear some of uh, uh, more recent songs that are excellent get played for years and years and become like something that people become familiar with and then go and try to find that album and then uh, it helps the uh, uh, sales of that album. So I've, I've argued this for a long time. Um, one a great example of which is an excellent song that he did play live uh, for a little bit called Jenny Wren. reaction was very positive too at the beginning of it so there was a lot of enthusiasm it sounded like on the track so uh, you know he didn't he used to play a lot more if you look back in the 70s albums like wings over america has a lot of new tunes it was like the opposite proportion it's almost all new songs instead of like five beatles songs or something Uh, and all the way up into the the late 70s they played a couple of concerts with wings and I know you don't like the album, but he played a lot of songs off Back to the Egg live. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's very different than than what happened starting with all those live albums and Tripping the Live Fantastic. So uh, maybe what one reason would be the fact that he thinks people are going to go uh, to the bathroom or go get beer or something during those tunes, or uh, I think... I remember, I don't know who it was, maybe Paul Simon or somebody, they asked him about, well, do you like playing Mrs. Robinson or something? He said, well, we have to uh, because someone coming to the concert might be their first time and they want to hear that song. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it is a, a, a bit of a, a, a difficult balance 
but I think I think it's too imbalanced towards a certain set of classics, yeah, uh, and not enough sort of mixed in. When I, the few the times I saw David Bowie, he uh, I saw him on the Outside tour, for instance, and he played most of uh, Outside the album, and then the the songs he chose to add to it were songs from his vast catalog mm. that sort of sounded similar to that or that he played in a different way to make it sort of like fit the theme of the concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's no confusing that with the Paul McCartney concert, which is just the greatest hits concert. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So we're going to see him again, and we're basically seeing a greatest hits concert, whereas I'd like to see him play a lot of stuff up anew. Yeah. Some some of these great, great songs from the last 15, 20 years, and then some classics, too, mixed in. Yeah. I don't necessarily have to hear Let It Be again. Or, no. Or, you know... Yeah, uh, hey, uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're good. you know he's going to do it anyway, but... Yeah. 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 So... Yeah, it is it is a tough balancing act, because you're... Although, I, I mean, he's Paul McCartney. He doesn't need to prove himself anymore, and... He can really yeah. play whatever he wants, and I, I think people he'd still sell out every concert. So yeah, yeah why so not? if you if you yeah. showed up to and you did go to a concert back in what the late eighties, yeah, nineteen eighty nine, the first tour, yeah, and he played quite a bit for, off of his most recent album. Then yeah, flowers uh, and dirt. Yeah, and a lot of those songs are really great. Would yeah. you like to hear one of them again? I would. <laughs> the show, I would. yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm just uh, uh, it drives me crazy. Well, with with good reason. Uh, And to piggyback on that, uh, to go along with our... It seems to me live albums are kind of a a problem for Paul. And he decided to jump right into the lion's den on this next uh, worst career move here. And that's that's in uh, 2002 for the Back in the U.S. album. He decided that it was time... He was feeling, I guess, uh, insecure about his place in history and decided it was time to change the songwriting credits and switch it around instead of Lennon-McCartney, which is how it's, it always is. Uh, he decided to make some of the songs McCartney-Lennon. And this really did not go over well. And Yoko was furious, and it, it, it's on the album. It, it actually made it on there. But in, in recent years, he's changed it back. So, But just not a good idea. Uh, that's It's... it's Lennon McCartney, it always will be, and we we all know he's one half of the greatest pop music songwriting duo in history. We don't need to mess with it. Yeah, it just seems like real negative, petty yeah. nonsense. Yeah. Like like you know, lawsuits in general is just yeah. it's a bad idea <laughs> if you ask me. Yes, more it's gonna be more headache than it's worth. Exactly, and uh, it just uh, seemed seemed real petty. Yep. Um, another, uh, uh, and this sort of goes along with the, what we were talking about earlier, uh, with uh, uh, Paul just sort of coming up, trying to come up with ideas for the Beatles to like make things still happen, <laughs> and uh, the point at which he pressed the worst <laughs> to make something happen was the uh, let it be uh, get get back sessions right um, uh, <laughs> we started let it be in January 1969 at Twickenham Studios under the working title get back 
the idea was you'd see the Beatles rehearsing, jamming, and getting their act together, and finally performing somewhere in the in in a big end of show concert. The original idea was to go on an ocean liner and get away <laughs> from the world. You would see us rehearsing, and then you'd finally see the payoff. This is a from Paul McCartney from the Anthology. Mm-hmm. Um, but we ended up in Twicking. I think it was a safer situation for the director and everybody. <clears throat> Nobody was that keen on going on an ocean liner anyway. <laughs> it was getting a bit fraught at, at us before uh, at that between us at that point because we'd been together for a long time and cracks were beginning to, beginning to appear. Now we all know that cracks are beginning to appear, <laughs> but why the idea to first of all to go on an ocean liner? <laughs> a ridiculous idea. <laughs> But then, uh, then, nah, we're not going to do that. I know. Let's have us get up at 8 in the morning every day and go to a giant cold studio with no decorations on it, basically. Just like the drums and guitars set up. It just seemed ridiculous. I mean, uh, of an idea. (laughs) <laughs> and and doomed to to irritate everyone and fail like it kind of did. Yeah, I mean they were already very sour at that point and thinking about other things. Although I think the ocean liner is better than uh, one of Yoko's ideas. I believe was to play to an empty coliseum. That <laughs> that was uh, one of her contributions to the uh, proceedings. And if you're I mean, if you're a Beatle fan, you obviously are familiar with the how the whole sessions didn't work very well and all the problems. I would highly recommend a book uh, that I've used when I teach a class in the Beatles. If you want to know all about every nitty-gritty detail of the sessions, uh, it's called Get Back, The Unauthorized Chronicle of the Beatles, Let It Be Disaster by <laughs> Doug Sulpey and Ray Schweigert. And so they, they don't mince words. Oh, much. no, 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 no. It's, it's, they, they take it through every single song recorded. They listen to everything and, and chronicle all of the problems and the conversations and just how nobody was into this idea except Paul. And yeah. It's really, it just, you knew it wasn't going to work. Well, and uh, uh, part of that whole thing, and, and it was almost the complete opposite in the Abbey Road sessions, where they went in with a with a real sort of like let's let's knock this out, let's really work hard on this. Yeah, uh, they were just kind of sitting around in the studio waiting for something to magically happen. So there was a whole lot of noodling, <laughs> meandering, kind of starting a song. And there were even songs that were brought in that were probably great songs, like all things like Must Pass, that yeah. that they just sort of like fluffed off. It's like, eh, let's not work on it. We're too lazy. Here's yeah. and so a good example of this is for for uh, you know and and these for for Beatle nuts like you and me, it's kind of fun to hear some of these sort of noodling meanderings, including uh, this one which is uh, the Beatles playing uh, Save the Last Dance for Me. Save the Last Dance for Me. Dance. Every dance with a guy holding and let him hold you tight.
tag into "Don't Let Me Down." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul, that, that that kind of typifies the whole whole sessions there. What, what was what was he doing with his voice? He couldn't really figure out an octave there. He's sort of all over the place yeah. on that. No uh, clear words. To nor say. words. To, yeah, I mean, really all over the place. So, and if you've yeah. seen the movie "Let It Be," you know the that it, it's basically that just with video. So. And not to say it's not important, and you know it has a historical value, and there there were some great songs out of it, but the idea, in retrospect, certainly did not materialize as Paul had hoped. I think it's yeah. safe to say. I'm a, I'm going to read another uh, little thing here. Uh, there's going to be a curse word in it. Uh, for those of you who don't like curse words, maybe skip ahead thirty seconds. <laughs> Uh, this is John Lennon uh, interview from 1970, so pretty, pretty, pretty close <laughs> and bitter off this. In a nutshell, Paul wanted to make, it was time for another Beatle movie or something, and Paul wanted us to go on the road or do something. As usual, George and I were going, oh, we don't want to do it, fuck, and all that. <laughs> he set it up, and there was all discussions about where to go and all that. I would just tag along, and I had Yoko by then, and I didn't even give a shit about anything. <laughs> I was stoned all the time, too, on H, etc., and I just didn't give a shit. And nobody did, you know? Anyway, it was like in the movie where I go to do Across the Universe, Paul yawns and plays Boogie, and I merely say, Oh, anybody want to do a fast one? <laughs> Well, I, I, we can't add anything to that. I think that really <laughs> sums it up. So. <laughs> wow. So, of course, it was John who really was responsible for bringing in Phil Spector to fix, well, what he, he thought, fix up the awful tapes and make it sound better. And, uh, you know, Paul, uh, to some extent, had to agree to have that done. And can, accounts differ to this day about uh, what Paul's real opinion was on everything. But my final entry in the uh, list of uh, worst career mistakes was uh, his continual grudges against Phil Spector and that se those sessions for what Phil Spector did with adding the strings and the uh, all the orchestration on the songs because. I mean, to be frank, the songs aren't all that great to begin with, in my opinion. Uh, Long and Winding Road, I like the song. It's, it, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for sappy kinds of songs like that. But I do think it, I, like, I, I won't bash the Phil Spector version. I think there's some, it's maybe overdone. Uh, but it's, it's not horrible. And uh, I think for Paul to keep trying to revise history here, with yeah. putting out "Let It Be" naked and trying to say that he was—he always insisted on, you know, why? Why did Phil Spector do this? This is the way I wanted it, and yet accounts differ. And supposedly, I mean, he had to agree at some point. So, uh, yeah. I think there's some something odd about that whole grudge. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Uh, once again, sort of hindsight, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, releasing "Let It Be Naked," I don't, I don't think was necessarily a, a bad thing. No, uh, uh, I kind of liked hearing the raw versions of some of the songs, but um, yeah, to, uh, he just seems like really petulant about <laughs> certain certain things, and that's like definitely one of them. Yeah, 
Um, so that's our that's our little list we came up with. If you have any other thoughts, yes. or anything that like you'd like to nominate as a bad Paul career move, uh, post it to our Facebook page. We have a Facebook page. Of course, we're at I've Got a Beatles on Twitter, where we post this song of the night uh, almost every night. <laughs> And night, uh, one or the other of us is paying attention. We'll yes, right. <laughs> um, but I, I, we love the uh, comments on Facebook. There have been some good, uh, good comments and suggestions and, and uh, discussions back and forth. So please, yeah, as Chris said, share your your what's your worst McCartney career mistake? Uh, what do you, what do you think he should have done differently? What, what what's his dunce move here? Uh, and you know this is all in fun, by the way. We, we're not. This is all. We, we love Paul, obviously. And we're just. Uh, We've both seen. Give my regards to Brad. We have. So we have a little bit people, of. Brad. <laughs> we have most authority. people. Yeah. So. Exactly. So. Uh, so anyway. it's just a fun topic to talk about, and at some point we'll talk about Paul and John's best career moves. Definitely. Probably. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's and, uh, pretty great. Yeah, and one of John's great career moves was having Sean as a son and as a oh, child. Oh, yeah. So uh, we're, we're, as we go into the next couple episodes, uh, Chris, you just saw Sean Lennon in Chicago. Yeah, I saw uh, the ghost of a saber-toothed tiger at Lincoln Hall. The ghost of a saber-toothed tiger is Sean's uh, band, who've been together a couple of years, released. This is their second album, and uh, it's a pretty good album. And we're going to review it uh, on our next episode. So uh, we look forward to uh, discussing that album and, and uh, talking about it. Uh, it's a really interesting concert, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that, too, in the next episode. If you have other suggestions for episodes, we always love to hear uh, suggestions, so uh, contact us on that. And also, uh, Dave and I, uh, as we said, are... are Going to the Kansas City concert, the Paul uh, Paul concert, a Paul McCartney concert. Now, yeah, not the Ghost yeah. of the <laughs> Paul McCartney. Uh, if you're going to that show in Kansas City, July 16th, it's a Wednesday night. Uh, let us know, and maybe we can uh, run into each other and say hi, hi to uh, you uh, before the show or after the show or something. Uh, in the parking lot, <laughs> <laughs> over at the over at the fifty dollar t shirt uh, window, and <laughs> yeah, where you can get your back to the egg t shirt. Yeah, or your, <laughs> yeah uh, definitely. So yeah, please, uh, if you're going to be in the area or following Paul around, uh, we'd love to meet up with you and have a chat. So we're going to finish with a John and Paul composition from the Let It Be sessions. Uh, again, it's a it's fun because it was performed on the rooftop. I don't know. We're just going out with it because it's it's something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a track. It's a track, and and it's an old song that they just threw onto this thing. Yeah, you know, it wasn't really like a new composition that they were excited about. It was just an old song. So I think it's kind of a good example of the the sessions. I yes, guess exactly. So we'll go out with. One after 909, and we'll talk to you soon. My baby says you're driving on the one after 909. I said, move over, honey.
Come on, baby, don't be cold as ice. 